Welcome to The Ruck, everybody. Sports cheating is on every headline, on the lips of everyone talking about the game. And uh, this morning's panel, we've already checked their pockets for signs of cheating. There's no evidence that they've been tampering with the balls. So they're all above reproach. All we've found is a relatively small amount of crack cocaine. <laughs> the synopsis of The Joy of Silence by Eddie Jones and 50 Viagra tablets. Um, the panel today, uh, Alex Lowe from The Times. Um, Alex did a superb one-man show in this morning's Times by writing every word in the, sport, in the sports uh, section. Not many of you know he's the son of Whispering Ted Lowe, the former <laughs> BBC snooker commentator. Not many people know that. You remember Ted Lowe. That yep. he, 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 well, he was called Whispering Ted Lowe. He did all those big games between Dennis Taylor, uh, Joe Davis, Steve Davis, Reg Davis, and all that lot. Um, Sam Peters from the Sunday Times is here. Sam's dad, Lenny Peters, was a member of the Peters and Lee duet. If you remember that song, Welcome Home, it wasn't, didn't suit everybody. It was a bit cabaret, but uh, Lenny Peters, uh, Sam's dad, was going strong. He brought out an album called Unforgettable. Sadly, everybody's forgotten it. Um, and also Adam Hathaway um, from The People's Stable, the king of the freelancers. Um, and obviously, Adam, as a freelancer, doesn't always appear under his own name. But you might be interested to know that... Um, David Parsons is uh, is is Adam. <laughs> David Reese, Owen Slot, <laughs> Austin Healy, Enid Blyton, and John Keats are all nom de plumes for Adam Hathaway. Uh, thank you for downloading us. Thank you for listening to us again. Last week we had a pretty big re reaction because. Uh, we told you who shouldn't go on the tour of South Africa, and that was basically everyone we, we could think of <laughs> with England. But um, people said, hang on, you've been destructive here. Who would you take? And uh, our experts here, I'm just going to go around them and just give us a few names of people that you should go or you'd like to go or even long shots, guys. Let's throw in a few names that um, Eddie should be considering. Uh, Sam, England tour of South Africa, three tests. Who should they be looking at? Uh, from the weekend's evidence, I thought Lazowski was outstanding for Saracens. Really all-round player, pace, uh, really aggressive defender, lovely uh, footballer, just an all-round game, tenacious, really just, uh, I like his game. And also another young lad at, uh, at Surrey's Max Malins, I think, is uh, coming up mm. on the rails. It might be too early for him this tour, but he's a really, really good player, really organised. So Surrey's got a couple of really good young playmakers there who've got a big future. Uh, Arthur? Well, I can give him a name of a player who definitely won't be picked, which is Chris Ashton. Hmm. And we all know why he can't be picked. But this weekend he scored his 21st try of the season for Toulon, equaling uh, a league record with four matches still to go. Um, he played brilliantly, but obviously he definitely won't go. Those who, who might go and should go, uh, Ellis Genge just came back from injury for Leicester, came off the bench and was was virtually man of the match for, in a 20-minute performance, just outstanding, scrummaging. We all know what he can do in the loose. Um, and youngster Jack Willis at, at, at uh, Wasps, he came off the bench for Haskell, and, um, and I really like the look of him too. So I'd give all those three a, a nod. Alex, you, you, you're you a front row yourself. Alex Genge is clearly a live wire, but you keep on running into, or one keeps on running into, opposing directors of rugby who say he's not legal in the scrum. Yesterday he looked okay to me. Do you think he's come on in, in, in that department? I think so. Yeah, I do think so. Yesterday <coughs> he was, I mean, he was destructive he demolished and the game the game turned on the 50th minute when when um, Wasps took off Jake Cooper Woolley who'd been similarly outstanding mm. and Leicester brought on Ellis Genge and the, and the scrum went from, from Wasps shoving Leicester back to Leicester shoving Wasps off their own ball and I thought he was 
legal and mm. it, it is an area of the game that some of these you know, athletes who perhaps don't grow up playing prop do have to work on Mako's another one you know, grew up playing in different parts of the of the field and there are specialists uh, it's a specialist area where, where they do have to mm. develop but uh, I thought Ellis looked, looked superb when he came on and, um, and he should definitely go to South Africa Adam just throw a few into the hat for us Arthur sort of spiked my guns a bit I've got Jake Cooper Woolley and I've written down Wasp Scrum went to pot when he went off also Tom Curry came off the bench for sale first game for five months on Saturday after his hand injury Eddie's keen to have another look at him and a bit left field I wouldn't mind taking an attack coach to uh, <laughs> South Africa because it's been a bit of a nightmare now either I know Ben Kay in the Times put up Daryl Gibson who he knows from Leicester um Glenn Eller did a good job on a couple of tours he's been on. Why not pay for him? Or why not go completely left field, take a bloke there for three weeks called Ben Ryan? Oh, I think that's, that's great. I think he's employed by the Welsh Tribune, isn't he, Ben? But no, tough, I think that's out. good. And also, he just uh, wrote a great book. Um, I'm not going to go on much further from, from you guys, but I do think that uh, it's time Elliot Daly was tried at outside centre, even though he's only got three fingers left, apparently. <laughs> and uh, Jake Cooper Woolley, I've always liked, I've always considered him to be the outstanding tight head prop when fit. And Jake is, a, is the sort of guy who gets injuries, but when he does get injuries, he then needs a lot big number of games to come back. But I mean, I just think he's outstanding. And I think we have to find out if Harry Williams has got it because he's next in line. But my, my player above all others, um, I was only there um, in spirit yesterday because I watched it on TV. One player impressed me fantastically yesterday. He's always been discarded by England as too small, too light, too weak, too feeble. Christian Wade yesterday was absolutely magnificent. He looks to have put on strength. He was brilliant in the air, took every ball as if he yeah. was six foot five. He was electric in broke in the broken field, and he reminds me of Shane Williams. Everybody said Shane Williams was too small, mm -hmm. but Shane Williams then made himself bigger and broader, almost like a sort of billiard ball. He'd, he'd, he'd ricochet off people, and I just thought Christian Wade, Wade was excellent. Yeah, Wade, was, Wade was bouncing off people yesterday. Uh, exactly. And uh, so there's a few people there. Sam Simmons, I'd like to think, could go, but really he's got to go away and come back as a flanker, uh, as a, and, and maybe a, a real good flanker. So there's a few in the um, in the hat for you. Can I just throw in um, Manu's situation? I mean, I just think it's about time that Manu goes into the back row. I think that's his future. I don't think he's got a future in the three in the midfield anymore. His pace isn't there, and uh, he's got to he's got to make a call on his career. I think because uh, to me, he's just lo he's lost the pace through all the injuries that he's got, and he's a he's a number seven for me. Right, number seven, Manu, or Manu six. Tulangi. Okay. Four or six. Okay. Could he stand the? The battering he'd get. We can carry around. Right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his, his physicality is there. It's just what he doesn't have is that electric pace which made him the player he was when he came. And he's never going to get that back. He, I've never seen a player with more strapping take to the field than, than he does now. Um, and I think he's, what is he, 26 now, 27? Mm. And Potentially could have five, five more years, possibly, or if he keeps plugging away doing what he's trying to do at the moment I just I don't think he's got a future at the top of the game Turlangi and Vunapola in the England back row quite mean isn't it Sam been, Sam been drinking <laughs> pub's not open yet we know where he found those drugs on the way stand by Manu open side yeah uh, okay I, I can see the um I was going to say I can see the point behind what you're saying but actually I can't <laughs> <laughs> massive weekend of the European Challenge Cup and the European Champions Cup coming up uh, four ties in each round which is what you have in the quarterfinals normally um, 
let's just go straight to Saracens. Um, they've been big news the last couple of years. This season, big news because they're not anything like what they were. Sam, um, you were very disparaging about the the, the play itself, the match mm. itself at the at the stadium um, on Saturday. But um, did Saracens show any signs? Well, I mean, they did enough to put away what let's admit is a really really ordinary Harlequins team they they were fine they were never going to lose the game they were 10-0 up after 10 minutes and Quinns never really looked like pushing them at all um, Marrow was excellent um, easily his best game of 2018 um, which makes us ask even more questions about why he was so flat during the Six Nations and um, I thought as I said before Lazowski was excellent midfield functioned pretty well bit of a concern over Barrett he went off right at the end looked like a concussion um, which could cause them a worry for, for next week uh, for obviously they've got the, their big um, uh, quarter-final against Leinster um, you know there, there were signs that they were they, they were sort of starting to hit form but it was a really frustrating game on so many levels stop start 13 minutes of added time in the second half constant back chat to the referee mm. I felt really sorry for Foley he he clearly lost his temper by the end and I didn't blame him at all um, Malins was wrongly simbined um, but he was just fed up uh, and I think we all it was a really frustrating game not a good stadium to watch rugby from I've got to say um, just, just, just before we go on from that yeah. uh, Mr Foley the referee I feel sorry for him mm. has he not got all the weapons in his disposal yeah. to say shut up go back 10 yeah. yards shut up go back 20 yards yeah fair point I mean you just don't see that anymore do you, you know? never see them being marched back it was the thing that the football referees used to sort of look over enviously at rugby's referee, rugby referees that you can march them back and that is the best way but it seems to have been this accepted narrative and I think it works both ways now that at the same way that referees are trying to sort of commentate their way through the game players yeah. now feel empowered to kind of talk back to them and then suddenly where do you, where's the line that famous line that's the big talking point it's, in it's, sport now but you know it's, it's there's too much chat there's just too much talking and it's slowing everything up it wraps this all in your hands Adam the uh, news hound what's the uh, injury news because let's be fair Saracens have been way below strength Billy Van Apola no mm. chance of playing um, well first of all Saracens is the only English team I'll give a price of going over there and getting a win mm. um, but they are really up against it so on Saturday McCall said that uh, Mike McCall said that he'd virtually written off Billy Van Apola for that game obviously he's been out for a while with his wrist injury Owen Farrell was sitting in the stands with this um, thigh injury that he got with England um, he's touch and go apparently Barrett as Sam said George Cruz is struggling they've got Michael Rhodes is out Skelton's out they've both got broken arm uh, Skelton's got a broken arm um, they're having a bit of, bit of a mare I mean obviously if Barrett and Farrell are injured they've still got Lozowski if Barrett's injured Lozowski could play 12 they've got a bit of cover there Rhodes is a massive loss for Saracens he's this absolutely season huge he was absolutely because brilliant he's a, for them last year and also he's the player that would um, he would be available every week you mm. know mm. Uh, Alex um, Saracens have lost it this year massive injuries that, that they seem to lose it about the time that Claremont postponed game etc um, I think we all know that had they been at their peak they, they were a real real fighting chance but we're talking about the destruction of the team rather than injuries now. Have, have they got any chance at all? Oh, I, I think I agree with Adam that they have a mentality that would give them give them a shot at winning over there. But I just think Leinster, with with so many of the, of the Ireland team who who, uh, who dominated the Six Nations coming back in, Stuart Lancaster's done a a superb job there. He's got he's got so many of those players on on top of their game. I I, I can't see. I, I, I can't see Saracens going over there to win. I think there's a really interesting 
sort of shift in the balance of power in Europe this year. I mean, Saracens were unbeatable, literally unbeatable in Europe for, for two seasons. Um, for them to be schooled at home, as you said, by, by Clermont was was mortifying for them, and and it showed it showed up showed some cracks in their squad. In one of the other one of the other uh, quarterfinals, Clermont are at home. They were impregnable at home at the Marcel Machelin. They're not anymore. They got thumped on the weekend. They got thumped at the weekend, but teams are, teams are winning in Claremont now, and and they were they were a team who were um, you know who, who, who never won the big prize, but they were they were right up there. And now they look a shadow of, the, of their former selves. They, they do, but again, nastily affected by injury. But on the weekend, I was looking forward to the game against um, Toulon because uh, Morgan Parra and Camille Lopez were back in the selection shaker. Wesley Fofana and Damien Pennell were back in the centre. So I thought, well, this is, they're on the way. They, they lost by 48 points, mm, yeah. which is bizarre. Sam, um, we, we, we love our trips to, to Claremont. We're talking about that mm. off-air, as we say, mm. in broad, broadcasting. Mm. Um, but uh, against Racing, now Racing, uh, Claremont are the Neely team. Racing are actually the never-ever team, uh, re- really, despite all the yeah. publicity around them. Um Claremont are going to have to come a long way back from 48 points but from what we know about them when they do get home maybe not impregnable they can't be ruled out Oh definitely not I mean they've got far too much quality throughout the side but as you say you know, and Alex makes a good point about Saracens with the mentality I think now you come down to these knockout stages you're looking for the teams that've got that sort of pedigree um, and, and history of winning and, and, and Racing don't but, um, but you know Claremont as well they're been the nearly team for a long time as well so you know there's, there's there's some big questions to ask but just before we go on see what what does a selection shaker look like what what is that exactly it's when um it's um Stuart Lancaster you saw that when you should put all the <laughs> all the names in the shaker oh yeah and then pl- pluck them out blindfolded is it plastic or quite a gold goblet with a oh, right, with plate. a red rose oh, okay. gold oh, right. thing okay. with, but Lanny's one you put all the names in and everyone you picked out said Sam Burgess that's right that's another one of my exclusives gone um I'm going to uh, Scarlet's on uh, versus La Rochelle on Good Friday. Everyone says we're parochial in Wales, but I'm prepared to go down to see those West Walian bastards. Um, but La Rochelle, uh, six weeks ago, would have been favourites. They were top of the table. Now they slipped to fifth. Uh, at least Victor Vito's back this week. Um, something I've been suspecting for a long time. Um, but And he's he's the driving force. Um, but Scarlet's have got uh, Welsh internationals dotted all over the place. Still on a kind of shoestring budget-wise. Isn't it disastrous that they lose Scott Williams next season to the Ospreys? But I'm, I just think that'll be a fantastic occasion. Much needed. And uh, both teams attacking. And that'll be a great start to the weekend. Um, Hathis, um, Munster, Toulon... Um, if you picked a joint team between the two teams, you probably have one Munsterman, fourteen Toulon. But if you want to pick a winner, you probably still go for Munster, would would you not? Yeah, you probably would. Toulon, have, despite their forty-nine nil win at Claremont on Sunday, they're they're bang up against it. Um, Munster going quite well in the second tier of the conference of uh, in the their conference of the Pro Fourteen. And you know, like the Leinster lads, all, most of their Irish boys had the weekend off. I think so. Um, they'll be fresh. They won't get flogged around the London Stadium or. Welford Road or where, anywhere else like that. So um, Scarlets got, as well. Rested all yeah. players from the Welsh. You got you got a fancy monster for that. Okay, Alex. Um, too long. We not quite know where they are at the moment. There are three European trophies on the trot. You knew where they were coming from. Big experienced veterans there. Not so good now. 
I think I think Fabio Galtier has made made a quite positive impact there, and he's actually getting them playing with with a, a style and a um, and a system that, that suits them. I think for a long time in the kind of the years after Johnny went, they were just they became what they had been, which is a collection of big names with no with no kind of commitment necessarily to to each other. They were just there on a paycheck. I think Galtier has, has given them some um, a, a structure, and and he's he's found in Chris Ashton a fullback that no one knew. Could play fullback, and he's and it's it's allowed Ashton to play with a with a freedom and to, to pop up on the shoulder, which he, which is which is his game. So I, I think they you know, they are a they're a unit that, that's coming together. Whether they're, they're good enough to win the European Champions Cup yet, I'm not sure. But I think they're actually back on on the road to, to being a to being a force again. Uh, um, Sam uh, Island uh, taking the Grand Slam. Are we thinking that the European Champions Cup may go there as well? I think a lot of money would be on on Leinster for sure. Um, Alex or or Adam made the point that uh, so many Irish players within that team and there's just units within units that are just now so kind of used to playing together. They're used to winning. They're playing at the Aviva Stadium in Dublin. Really hard place for everyone to go. I'd I'd have to fancy Leinster. We're just going to ask you for a prediction, lads. I'll I'll start, but... um... Uh, we, do ha- we have a winner plus a points spread. I'm going to go Scarlets over La Rochelle by 11. I'm going to go um, Munster over Toulon by 3. I'm going to go Claremont over Racing 92 by 7. And I'm going to go Leinster over Saracens by 11. So uh, let's uh, let's go around. We'll start off with Scarlets, La Rochelle, Sam? Uh, Scarlets by 15. Alex? Uh Six Scarlets by six. Adam, I got Scarlets by a dozen. Munster Toulon. Uh, Toulon by three. Toulon oh, away okay. at Munster. Yeah. Win away at Munster. Alex, I I'm going to say Munster by three on yeah on the basis of of that unity ahead it's of very them. very tight then. Alex, yeah. um, uh, Adam, I've got Munster by six. Right, okay. Munster's just just scraping there. Claremont Racing, Sam Racing. Uh, uh, Claremont by five. Right, Alex. Yes, Claremont. Yeah, one one score, seven points. Right, Claremont Racing. Yeah, I'm with half of there, Claremont by seven. Right, okay, getting money on everybody from these experts. Leinster Saracens. <laughs> we all fancy Leinster at the moment. Yes, yeah. I do. Okay. Well, I'd love to see Saris win that, but I mean Leinster. that'd be better than anything they've done in Europe. Yeah. I think. Yeah, that yeah. would be one of the great wins of uh, any English team in Europe. I think if they could pull that off. Agreed. Guys, um, there's two competitions. There's the Challenge Cup. Sometimes it grabs your attention, sometimes it doesn't. This this year it has, frankly, a little bit. Um, Newcastle played Breve on the weekend. Now, Newcastle coming off um, a win over um, Northampton. But more than that, uh, uh, just a, a great occasion. Um, a great effort by their marketing team to get 30,000 in there at uh, St James's Park. <laughs> really nice gesture by uh, uh, Veroniki Gonover uh, to wave in sheer uh, fashion. Um, he's not as bad a pundit as Shearer, but um, he did wave. He did wave uh, in in Shearer fashion, which which was lovely. Uh, it, it's funny because I think it could have gone wrong. Um, they got so much good ball. I thought Toby Flood at fly half was unbelievably pedestrian, and uh, if if one of the other younger guys had been there to put some gas on it. Uh, or indeed, if 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 uh, uh, George Ford or Danny Cipriani had played, I think Newcastle would have won by miles. Um, but really, really good feel-good factor for the game, um, Sam, in the northeast. Yeah, I mean it's it's a great story, and and it, you know I, I totally support, despite how kind of 
critical I was of, of the, the game at uh, the London Stadium. These big occasion games are, are they're definitely the future. Um, I think we'll, we'll come on to a discussion about how much rugby's played and what have you, but, yeah. you know, bigger events, fewer games, that's got to be the future for rugby as far as I'm concerned. And, and, and that, that one, that, the atmosphere at Newcastle crucially didn't appear, although I wasn't there, but from speaking to people who were there, it wasn't as contrived as it clearly was. Uh, and the same way Leicester yesterday, you've got to let these atmospheres build themselves and let the crowds do it themselves rather than force it down their throat. And it looked like a brilliant occasion there, so well done to Newcastle. Alex, uh, uh, where do you stand on the, what Sam calls forcing down your throat? Do you, I mean, is it slightly old school to think the atmosphere can build itself when you can chat to your mates etc uh, that is old school because it doesn't happen anymore mm. <laughs> um, well it does I mean did it Leicester yesterday didn't yeah, it yeah it yeah. does but not, not at big events where, the, <clears> where <throat> there's an expectation among the organisers to to uh, to generate a, you know, a to, to try and generate a, a false atmosphere when you don't necessarily need to because that, yeah. that then actually has the opposite effect mm. of dampening the natural fervour there's also um, at, at some of the internationals there's so many corporate issues and responsibilities to to get match day pundits sponsored by the local brew yeah. and all that yeah, kind of no, stuff sure. Um, sure. so yeah I, I don't like it um, and RFU do lots of research and, and say that it works I, I'm not sure it does the, the one thing I would add to, to what Sam said about Newcastle that game 30,000 at St James's Park on the same weekend that the RFU eventually confirmed they're going to take England away from Twickenham um, St- Stephen Brown said after the 2015 World Cup that the case had been made for taking England on the road. Ian Ritchie always refused to, to even contemplate yeah. it on the, yeah. the basis of, of the money they'd lose from a game at Twickenham and he wanted to keep his 15,000 debenture holders sweet. Stephen Brown's been a bit more open-minded. He's, he's going to take an England warm-up game next year out of Twickenham and he wants it to be an annual event. And I think when you, when you see the, the crowd as, as buoyant and, and enjoying their rugby at St James's Park as, as we did, um, it was... It was it shows that it's the right move for the RFU right. because because mm. there was rugby there there are big rugby crowds to be attracted outside of Twickenham. Adam, uh, you, you you never restrict yourself to the M25. You're yeah. all, you're always up at Newcastle Sale, uh, Gateshead, even uh, John O'Groats. You're always up there, but. Um, what, what's your view on where England should go now we're talking about it? I actually covered a couple of games at St James's Park during the World Cup and it was magic. Of course they should take um, England out of Twickenham. Richie had, Ian Richie had this big thing, obviously because of the bottom line. Um, you've got that, whatever Old Trafford holds, 70,000. You've got 70,000 stadium there. You've got 56,000 one in Newcastle. Why not use them? You know? Definitely. It's just definitely. It's just bonkers. I mean, I've got mates who come to Twickenham they have to take a mortgage out to get the train down. We live up north, you know. It's mm. bonkers. Exactly. Take the, take the team to the yeah. to the fans, not vice versa. Um, Newcastle playing Breve. Breve have improved lately. They were in bottom place, but there must be a magnificent chance for Newcastle to get to the semis. Connaught Gloucester. Um, Alex um, Gloucester away at Connaught. Normally you'd think Gloucester would have enough, but still bafflingly can't quite make that extra yard, can they? No, they can't. I think when. Um when Ackerman came in at the start of the season, he looked like he made a big impact quickly. Uh, then they went off their game, then they came roaring back. And, and I think they're still trying to trying to work out how they want to be un, under him. Um, I would, I don't think they have the consistency to... I wouldn't back their consistency to go over to, to Connor in the conditions that, that you always have to put up with there and win. I, I'd, I'd go home win on that one. Sam, I know you've been following Edinburgh, Edinburgh closely under Very Richard much, Cockrell. Yeah, yeah. Um, Edinburgh played the Blues, both teams amazingly, on a long, on long winning run. So... This could be the, the time when at least one of them validates themselves as a, as a concept and as a team. 
Well, it's about time, isn't it? It's it only is. been going for about 47 years, but Cockrell's definitely made a difference. I thought he would when he went up there, and um, he's been a sort of breath of fresh air. And uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd fancy Edinburgh to, to push on this year and probably make the final. Yeah, Steve, what about the other quarterfinal? Poe, Stade Francais? Yes, I'm um, just come on to Adam about that. Yep. Um, Adam Poe, po, um, do you think they've got enough? Well, very interesting facts about this game. The Romanian referee, refereed Belgian Spain, was down to ref it and it's just been taken off. So, um, thanks, okay. Arthur. Poe, po front row, um, meet with your approval. Yeah, they're big, mean, yeah. physical set forwards. Big yeah. guys, aren't they? There, yeah. huge, and they're number number one, two, and three. I think they're as well. Yeah. Okay. Locks are big as well. Yeah, they are big. Yeah, and the the backs are Back fast. Rising. Yeah, they are. Two more clubs you should mention. First of all, congratulations to Leicester. Um, at halftime, you would have thought there's no way they were going to win that, but then they came back to do it on a surge of adrenaline. And also to Sale, a completely murdered uh, Worcester Warriors. And I think we've said on this post uh, a podcast before, I almost said postcard, um, that, that, that uh, I just really do fear for Worcester under their current uh, regime. But uh, Mike Haley and Sale are absolutely wonderful. And uh, it's nice... Is it not, lads, just to be back in the club scene after all that? Uh, oh, yesterday, Wilford yeah, yeah. Road was just brilliant. Yeah, there were mistakes, there were blown tries. That all the, but all the that makes a game. Mm. It wasn't it? Wasn't prescripted? It wasn't. Um, they weren't playing off structures. It was. They were. They were having a go. They were. They were uh, counter-attacking. There were tries. There were. It, 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 there was drama from start to finish. Was it sold out? Full house. Yeah, full, yeah. full house. Yeah, Twenty-four thousand. Yeah, mm. sun was shining. It was just. It was, it was, a, it was a brilliant occasion and. Um, yeah, Wasps should have won it. They had so many chances to win it. They couldn't kill Lester off. Matt Tate's try-saving tackle on Dan Robson was tackle. one of the that, great tackles. That really was. I mean, that, that was. I can't remember a better cover tackle. I mean, we, um, we saw the lad in the England game. Underhill. Underhill's tackle Underhill, yeah. against Wales was unbelievable, but very different. This was just pure pace, angles of running. Um, and, and the execution just, uh, of the exactly, tackle when he got just there was to just, hit. He, had, he uh, didn't have a split second. He had to make that call right there, and it was just one of the great tackles. He's, he's one of Jones's favourite players yeah, over the last decade. Should have had a hundred caps by now. Yeah. I've always wrote him. So there are some people who don't know much about the game who've always knocked him, but um, <laughs> he'd be tremendous. Look, it's great to be back at club, rug, club rugby. I actually was in, at Chinna Club on Saturday watching a game, and I loved it far more than mo- most internationals. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Slightly more uh, serious note about, <laughs> about club rugby now, but not only club rugby, uh, we're going to talk about injuries. And if you read some of the outpourings at Twickenham, you only get injured playing or training with your clubs, never with England, despite the severity alleged uh, of their um, coaching sessions. Uh, sorry, guys, you get injured in any form of rugby, wherever you are, and it's not always someone else who, who causes them, or it's not always some other environment where you get injured. On the weekend, uh, we, we, we loved it. But what we didn't love was four people going off, Sam, on um, on Friday evening at Bath. At least three looked serious injuries. Henry Thomas was holding his arm. Four more yesterday at, uh, at the Tigers. Um, we've been told that uh, we mustn't be anecdotal about these injuries, but what more powerful anecdotes do you want than eight people going off in two games? Yeah, I mean, where do you start with this? I think we've all written a lot about this issue. Um which, despite what the RFU have said for years and years and years, it's just clear in front of our very eyes that the game has got more intense, the, the collisions are bigger, the boys have never been more committed, uh, and girls, I'll add, but this is obviously a study about the men's game. Uh, I think one of the comments of all the kind of people I've spoken to that sort of stuck in my mind most was I went down to see Wayne Pivac, uh, the Scarlets uh, director of rugby at the start of the season, and he said he, he you know he, he was a he was a traffic cop back in back in Auckland and he says he sees injuries now amongst his players that he used to see in road traffic accidents back in New Zealand and that you know we're talking about torn pectoral muscles biceps being taken off the bone hamstrings off the bone you know absolutely savage injuries um, and the game has to address it and it's, we've got to look it in the eyes and say this is a sport we all love we all love love the physicality of it no one wants to stop rugby being a tough hard attritional game but we're going to have to accept that as the evolution of professionalism carries on then we're going to have to change and alter and and protect these players because they're so committed they're, and they're, they're earning a living they need protecting from themselves and, and you know the sport's just only starting to really come to terms with this I think we'll, we'll come back to Sam in a minute Alex um, you know, the, um, Adam um, yourself and I have just come from listening to a, a briefing from the RFU and from <coughs> PRL about basically what they were telling us is I think um, that they now got for a, a massive evidence-based injury survey and from that, they're going to try and uh, change uh, or hopefully influence safety at the tackle, uh, c- concussion. And they did say, uh, finally, that rates of serious injury are rising as if we needed statistics for that. What did you make? Uh, I know that it's only just happened and you'll be, um, it'll all be in the Times tomorrow. But what did you make of, of what the points they were trying to make? Injury survey, which has been published about three months later than usual, um, showed a rise in training injuries, a rise in, in match injuries, um, and an increase in <clears throat> injuries on artificial pitches as opposed to grass pitches. And for the first time, those levels have risen <coughs> above what had always been outlined as the acceptable high level. They, they've now broken that, that ceiling. 
the reason I believe that the the publication was three months late was because they they felt the need to act and they they've um, they've published an eight point plan looking at various various parts of the game from another study into artificial pitches even though they've been used in Premiership mm. for years and uh, as Sam points out they've been rolled out in the community game. £47 million pounds of investment you know, if you the, and, and that's, an, that's an ongoing investment that, Sam, £47 million pounds about something they might just find is, is um, too dangerous. Well I mean why weren't these studies done before they rolled out that investment? I mean we, are, we, we sat there um, and spoke to our few representatives at Maidenhead Rugby Club I believe a couple of years ago and sort of blank faces look back at us and, and again this anecdotal evidence supposedly which is actually you could also say speaking to the people who actually play on these which we yeah. do which a lot of these people on these studies don't actually do is speak to the players and they will tell you professional players will tell you that they are more concerned about getting injured on artificial pitches and they're the guys who are actually doing it well, one, one of the, the themes that I picked up on, on this conference call was um, stated repeatedly by Simon Kemp who official title he's the head of He's head of medicine at the RFU. Um, was he kept going on about world rugby and the law changes and the unintended consequences of those law changes? Um, a lot of us were called sort of scare, called for scaremongering earlier early this season when we, we were reporting that the, the law change had led to higher uh, higher ball and playtime, more phases, more tackles, and therefore more more injuries. That will be contained in next year's report. But Simon Kemp uh, confirmed that there's been a ten percent increase in that. So. Inevitably, there will be an increase in injuries in next year's report. Uh, in, in my view, um, he also talked about the the height of the tackle. Uh, he, I think, that there appeared to be a um, a consensus from those who put this report together that World Rugby need to lower the legal height of the tackle. But they couldn't even give us a suggestion to where it should be. But they lowered. don't have they, they don't have an idea of exactly where they want it. Um, your, your, a lot of your work in life recently has been basically not so much covering the game as following up injuries I mean it, can you ever remember there being a rash of serious injuries like it we're talking about Saracens possibly having eight people missing for a big game yeah we've got to find out about at least half a dozen later on today for tomorrow's papers guess what you know breaking news blokes are getting bigger smashing into people more often more of them get hurt mm. go figure yeah. I, I'm afraid I, I was almost too angry to speak, and I, I didn't ask any questions at the brief at the briefing today because um, they keep on skirting round the edges for me. Because the tackle, um, th there are now so many breakdowns. It goes smash, 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 smash. I, I, I did my own statistics, and I, I picked a test match four years, uh, sorry, f uh, ten years ago, and there were four times as many tackles, and not on the, not, not only tackles but double tackles mm. uh, but of course they don't actually say anything to do with that they don't actually say look we've got to be really radical Sam are we, are we still going around the fringes here mm. um, we, we, and, and, and sort of almost you know it's like having a haircut but they mm. only cut a bit off the top well it feels like it's just groundhog day isn't it every year we report if there's a small incremental rise in this that or the other I mean there's some easy wins as far as I can see I think we have to radically rethink the way the guys train I think if you get to that level of the sport, you don't need to be toughened up during the week. OK, I admit there's a degree that you need to be prepared physically to go onto the pitch, but far, you know, incidents of training injuries are highest ever recorded. 33 days on average lost to training ground injuries, most common injury in training concussion. These guys are smashing each other's heads in, in training. What, what is that about? You know, it's, I appreciate we can't copy everything that the NFL does, but 
there are clear rules contractual rules in place where players are limited to the amount of contact training they do it's a massive amount less than in rugby union Um, the exposure to coaches there are so many coaches now who all want their two penneth at every single level strength and conditioning attack coaches defence coaches you know limit the amount of exposure the players have and they have to look at radically reducing the amount of games these guys play I'm I'm absolutely convinced about that and how, how they go about it We've got to look at that as well, but you know, that, there's some. It's a big concern for the sport. There's no doubt about that. Uh, um, and also, they made a big point. The RFU of saying, or oh, there are people this morning that uh, uh, it's almost like the community game is different, and they got they got separate service. Well, actually, that's not what I'm worried about. Community game, they they kind of look after themselves. What I'm worried about is, is, and this is speaking to someone who's coached at Colts level for or senior school level for 20 years, is parents. Uh, grandparents, mums, dads, sisters, coming seeing that stuff on TV mm. and thinking, God, my son has got to go down. And it, you know, obviously, it doesn't happen like that, but it, it is not a pretty sight. It mm. really isn't. Hath is um, mm. uh, any any I was going to say any solutions, but do, do you think that um, this this insistence on facts and figures and surveys is slightly patronising to those of us who've spoken to players and actually get a, as decent a, 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 a sort of comeback on on how fierce the game is than any statistics? Well, exactly, and you know the sort of people who go to two or three games a week actually speak to these players. Which which player is on a good contract is going to come out and say, oh, by the way? You can put this in the paper. I'm training too hard. I'm absolutely yeah, knackered. Yeah. No one's going to say that. I mean, Sam's thing about reducing training and everything sounds brilliant. How are you going to police it? You send a bloke around with a big stick and say, "No, Leicester, you're not going to have your Tuesday morning punch up this time, this week." Well, is it a, a crisis? And is it almost as the rates go up and the players go off, holding their arms, legs, whatever? Is is it becoming incredibly worrying now? I think it is. I put that question to. To the, the, the panel, I, I suggested that they must be alarmed by what they found in order to put these action points in place. And and there was a, a, a sort of a, some of them accepted that, that this was, you know, they're, they're acting because they are concerned by what they find. But when I when I asked whether it was um, a phrase I use, unacceptable, and they sort of said, well, they, back, they then yeah. backed away from it. And so well, it's just, you know, this is the data we have to see over a longer period of time. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. I think their eyes have been opened by the, the results here because for the first time it's broken through the ceiling of mm. what they deem to be acceptable. Sure, exactly. They, they, what, what they're not prepared to do is, is extrapolate from this that there could be a crisis down the line. They, they're trying to see it as a, as a one-off. Let, let me just talk about uh, newspapers for a second. We've just seen the, the ball tampering um, in Australia where basically it was uh, uncovered by, by media and, and, and really, really uh, newspapers, Aussie and uh, England, have really got stuck in, which makes me proud of newspapers. And what also makes me proud, and I, I'm not going to make it, uh, there's no joke involved here, is Sam's um, role as basically the conscience of the sport when it comes to concussion. He's fought an incredibly tenacious, long, effective campaign and he's wound people up, which is exactly what we are there to do. Sam, concussion, um, things are improving. Is there any, um, uh, any... Where do we have to travel next in the battle to keep players safe from concussion and its after-effects? Um, well, thanks for those words. I might, might well up and cry now, Jonesy. But um, uh, it's, it's where do we go? Uh, police it properly. Actually, make sure that things like when Kian Healy 
is clearly showing signs of concussion that he's then taken off and if he isn't taken off then there are repercussions rather than just flim flam statements from governing bodies and unions saying everything's fine nothing to see here that's that's the world we used to live in now that we understand and beginning to understand the sort of potential long-term consequences of concussion it's not a joke anymore it's not like lewis moody told us once that uh, you know they used to sit on the touchline at welford road and laugh at each other at how do lally they'd gone when they were sat having had their head knocked off you know it's a really serious issue you're never going to lose eradicate it from the sport no one's naive enough to say that rugby isn't a high contact game where blokes are going to get hurt but start policing it properly that head injury assessment in principle i wanted to support it it was a great sort of idea but it's worthless if there are no consequences and we time and time again georgia north at northampton with wales um healy's the most recent one in people's conscious morgan para earlier this season if there are no consequences for a complete and utter failure to implement that head injury assessment protocols correctly it's totally worthless and that's where i'd like to see the move to Adam, uh, Sam's making a big point there. We're not referring now to any case which he, which he mentioned there, but are we at the stage now where, where, where coaches are so massive and so powerful that they actually are going to override the, the evidence of their eyes and even override the opinion of their medical people? Yes, in a word. They're, they're, I mean, their job's on the line. It's wrong, but it does happen, and we can probably think of a few instances without naming them when it has happened. The coaches that is the is the top dog at the club and what he says goes Alex uh, we we have made some progress I mean when when I was playing when you were playing it was the old how many fingers I got up and all that and you say if you, yeah. if you got, got it within four they, they'd say fair enough um, if you were playing these days would you be anxious and um, where do you think we still got ground to make up um, I, I would be anxious and I, I've heard again anecdotally but stories below the premiership uh, where there isn't a, a, an HIA process of mm. of players um, being told to carry on or being sent back on, and that that bothers me because you, that's much harder to police. Mm. Yeah. And, and at the top level, there are I don't know thirty cameras at a game, twenty cameras at a game. There are medics, independent medics. There are doctors. They sh- they should be getting it right. There is a mechanism there. There are things that might be going wrong, but you can see how it could could mm. be fixed. Mm. What bothers me at not I mean not that that far below the Premiership, I, I hear stories of of players who are made to carry on or, or feel obliged to carry on for their team when it should be recognised and removed um, and I think it's, that's much harder to police so th- that does that does bother me and one of the other areas that, that concerns me fr- from this conference call today inevitably the RFU and the Premiership say that there's great collaboration between strength and conditioning coaches and mm-hmm. fitness coaches between the club and country because that's part of this partnership that Spurs you set up but when you actually see it in practice and you talk to the England head coach who says I get the players in and they're not ready for Test Rugby I need to make them fitter for Test Rugby mm. so he then puts them through his England programme because he doesn't believe that the programmes they get at the clubs make them ready for England now the clubs aren't there to prepare <clears throat> players for England but if they've got a if they've got a partnership then they should be they should be working much Absolutely. more closely together what a good point. and, and the, mm. the the very fact that the, the, the delegates on this panel say they are doesn't actually provide us with much evidence that they are and when we talk to, to coaches and, and players about um, playing at club rugby and then moving into test rugby suggests that, that, that there needs to be much closer collaboration Very good point Let's leave the last word to, to Sam Sam, um, there's a rash of concussions at the moment some of which we think are being picked up some which are, which are, which are ignored Do you think there's a, there's a chance that in... Uh, 
in the future, say 20 years time, we're going to find, look back at this time, think, God, we've let so many people down here because people are going to be having major, major problems in later life. Brian O'Driscoll articulated it brilliantly a couple of years ago. He said this group of players are effectively guinea pigs because we don't know the consequences of playing the sport to this level of physicality, um, this level of commitment uh, and with this number of injuries. And, you know, I'd rather in 20 years time say we overreacted and took too many um, precautions to try and protect them than we didn't do enough. And I think the danger of all these kind of, you know, little chips around the edges rather than radical change is that is that that's what we're looking at that's what we're staring down the barrel and I think Alex hit the the, the absolutely sweet spot there just by talking about the tensions that the players are under between where they're pulled in different directions and they're effectively been trying to peak at different stages throughout the season and those strength and conditioning coaches are all on at them and they all basically want them to peak at completely different times and someone who will remain nameless but he'll know who he is if he's listening to this showed me a chart once he's a very important guy actually and it was just a series of up and down sort of curves on a, on a graph and he placed one of them and said this is the England uh, strength and conditioning this is where they need to peak and he placed another graph down and it was the club strength and conditioning and this is where they need to peak and the peaks were exactly in between each other all the way through the year. Throw a Lions trip in who've all got their own strength and conditioning coach and you've got another peak which goes across the top in the middle and it's it just doesn't work at the moment and they are being asked to play too much rugby and be basically peaking all the way through the year and the only time they get to rest is when they're seriously injured. Adam, just, just, just uh, the final, final word. Um, are there two sports now in the in the old days, and we've just uh, paid tribute to the late Michael Green and the Art Course Rugby, where everything seemed to be one big family. But are there now two massively mm. different sports where you've got this uh, absolute elite, almost savage arena, and everybody else toddling around like they always did? Yeah, of course, of course there are. And and as you alluded to earlier, the sport that people see on telly is not what their kids are going to go and play at Hackney Rugby Club on a Saturday afternoon. But seeing that on the telly might put them off. Mm. going down there. Uh, of course, they're two totally different sports now. Thank you for bearing with us today. Um, we felt that uh, we had to do that. It's uh, there's a time when levity is appropriate and time, time when it isn't. And all you guys out there, men and women, boys and girls who are involved, I'm sure you, you feel the, the same concerns. Uh, rugby is a fantastic game, a fantastic brotherhood. At least it did have great ethics. Maybe it's slightly departing from those. But uh, I'm sure you all agree we have to keep it as safe as houses, safe as we possibly can. And as Sam says there, if you go too far one way, well, we're going to have to put up with that till we get it all back into balance. Thank you very much for listening to The Ruck. Thank you for downloading us. We'll be back next week. Thanks a million. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.